God is wonderful. And, you know, you could put just an exclamation mark at the end of great is thy faithfulness. It doesn't, it doesn't have to say Lord unto me because God is faithful whether I agree or not. God is wonderful. It is good to see you here, both members and visitors alike. We are thankful to God for your presence and for the presence of all who are here and those who are online. Um, yesterday, uh, Jaden Hackinson was baptized into Christ, uh, and I, I think it's wonderful that it, it's going to fit right into our lesson today uh, because this is the one thing Satan has tried to stop, but he cannot. He cannot. How do you feel when someone comes to you and and, or maybe you've heard it, or maybe you've seen it on a movie or some something, and someone says, I hate you. Doesn't feel so good, does it? But today we're going to learn that someone hates us, and it's not God. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise your holy and divine name, and thank you so very much for your goodness, for your mercy, for your compassion, and for your love. We praise your holy and divine name. Hallowed be your great an amazing name that is sanctified and separate from all. Lord God, this morning as we worship you, we pray, we ask and pray that you will accept our worship and that all things that will and have been said and done will and have been pleasing and acceptable in your sight. We ask for your guidance and your direction, for your blessings, and for you, Lord God, to open up our hearts and our minds to receive your truth. We thank you for Jesus, your great son, who so willingly died on that cruel cruel cross of Calvary, knowing that he would suffer, yet the great love that he had for us compelled him, Lord God, to do your work, to do his work for us. Thank you for all that you've done and for all that you do. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray and give thee thanks for be thy will. Amen. Revelation chapter 12 um, this morning. In this chapter uh, from our lesson, Satan's hatred for God and for God's people. In this chapter, we have the representation of the inner struggle between Christ and Satan. And the narrative here is going to show us the, the woman, the dragon, and the lamb. And chapter 11 announces the final victory of, of uh, God, if you will, the victory of the church over Rome. In chapters 12 through the end of this book, chapter 22, will tell the story. So we're going to get all that, uh, a bit of that today. Here's the, here's the point. Satan cannot win. How many times have I said that? You know, we've been going through this. How many times have you heard that in the scripture? Satan cannot win. Satan cannot win. Satan loses all day long when it comes to good versus evil. He loses all the... That's not the way we see it, though, in the world, is it? You know, in, in movies, we see sometimes good over evil, but we always see evil prevailing. But, brethren, Satan cannot win, and he will not win. So this is a sign. This is important. Chapter 12, it's a sign. It's a symbol, right? But let's get the message. It's a sign. Verse 1. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. And on her head a crown of twelve stars. And she was with child. She cried out being in labor, in pain, to give birth. I'm going to ask you to go back to Genesis chapter 3 for just a moment. The woman 
is God's people. So this is where we need to get that it's a sign because the woman is God's people, the church, and in times past, it's Israel. The number 12 is, is, it's organized, right? We did numerology. It's organized. She's organized, the organized church in, in Israel. The woman's light shines as the sun, the moon, and the stars. And she's with child. And what we're looking at is, if you will, a reminder of God's promise after man's sin. In Genesis 3 and verse 15, uh, the Bible says, And I will put enmity between uh, you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. So Satan will deliver to Jesus a, a blow of suffering. But Jesus will deliver a death blow to Satan. And so we're reminded of this child that will come forth. And it is important that we think about the, the, the imagery that is being displayed to us. I want to go back to Revelation chapter 12, please. In Revelation, this isn't, it isn't just the birth of a child, but it's also the birth of a great nation. It's the birth of, of God's people, the totality of the expecting ones, the community that expected the Messiah and the community that was formed by his life and by his death and by his resurrection. So again, it's a, it's a sign. But the point of the matter is that God's will has been done and it cannot possibly be stopped or altered. In verse 3 of Revelation chapter 12, and another sign, another sign appeared in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his head were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman and was about to give birth. So that when she gave birth, he might devour the child. Satan, the dragon, manifested himself through Rome, right? And, and, and it's evil and wicked in that empire. And, and the number seven is, is a number that's, you know, we, we study that. It's a good number. It's a complete number. The number 10 is a complete number. In other words, God gives Satan every opportunity. But Satan can't win. The red, dangerous, seven-headed dragon, world power, is coming for God's people with with ten horns, if you will, completeness. In other words, all that Satan is isn't good enough. All that Satan can possess with power isn't strong enough. Because Satan wants Jesus and the church gone. He wanted Jesus dead. He waited for the child to be born. And yet, even waiting for the child to be born, he failed again. And he continues to fail over and over and over again. And I'm reminded, turn back to Matthew for just a moment. Chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, uh, or chapter 2 rather, excuse me. And, and I want to remind you of Jesus' flight to Egypt. Now, this is, is, is literal, but in, in Revelation it's, it's a sign. But I want to just remind you of Satan's failure. Even when the physical birth of Jesus Christ came to pass, there was nothing that could be done. In verse 13, the Bible says, Now, uh, 
they were had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. And he arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod. That what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its inverns from two years old and under, according to the time which he had ascertained from the Magi. Then that which is spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah weeping a great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they were no more. And so Satan has this amazing hatred. This is important. For everyone, even his own. Satan hates everyone. Satan hates God. Satan hates you. You know, it's, it's when you realize that, that it compels us, if you will, in our hearts and in our minds to say, I'm not going to serve Satan. I am not going to forsake God for some one, for this being who hates me, who wants my, my very demise, who wants me to be destroyed, who wants, who wants me to stand opposed to God. Satan hates me. So why in the world would I give my soul to him? Brother, if you, you, if you don't get that, if you don't get that out of the word of God, you're, you're never going to be faithful to Jesus. Because forever we'll straddle the fence. Because we'll say, well, there's a little bit over here and there's a little bit over there. But no, don't go over there because Satan doesn't like you. Satan doesn't like any of us. Satan absolutely hates us. He hates everyone. And he wanted to kill this, this man child. He wanted to kill the son of God, literally, physically. He wants to kill the church. He wants us to hurt and suffer. And yet, many of us still haven't figured that out yet. Revelation chapter 12. And that's why it's so easy to give in to our pleasures of life and desires and sin and willful evil and wickedness because we haven't realized the one whom we are selling our souls to can't wait to get a hold of us and destroy us. And he doesn't care when we hurt and when we cry. He doesn't care when we suffer He laughs at us. He laughs at us. And all he's saying to himself is, God, I'm going to get another one. And the Father is trying to show us this amazing amount of love, but but many in the world, unfortunately, will never figure this out. Many in the church will never figure this out. In verse 5, listen to what happens. She gave birth to a son. He couldn't stop that. He's waiting. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was called up to God and to his throne. 
And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she might be nourished for 1,260 days. Three years, 42 months, right? Same word, same thought. The devil could not destroy the child. So now he's going after the children of God, the church. Remember, this is symbolic because the woman is Israel and and she is the church and the people of God. They're the ones who are protected by God and God wants the church to know that the devil will attack us. God wants us to know that the devil will hurt us. He will persecute us. He will persecute them. But nevertheless, God will continually preserve the church. You know, in in Genesis 11, um, the Bible says when they built the Tower of Babel, there's a little bit of humor in there. You know, God came down to see the tower they were building in heaven. You know, it's like there's a little bit of humor in there. And, and there and there's a little there's a little bit of humor in, in this this the war in heaven. I mean it's not meant to be humorous, but I want you just to, just for a moment to allow me to, to be uh, be myself. Verse seven, listen. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the servant of old who was called the devil, and Satan who deceives the whole world, was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So can you imagine, just for a moment, the audacity of Satan who he thinks that he can win. Now, Angels can't die. So why are they trying to wage war? I mean, that's the first question. The second question is, he's, they see God. And so what corner were they huddled up in trying to have a meeting? I mean, you know, here the omnipresent, omniscient God, he's heard, he heard everything you said. Right? So how was, how was Satan gonna con- put together a plan to go to war against God and actually think he's going to win. That's kind of humorous to me. And even to this day, Satan thinks that he is going to win. And in the battle, Luke chapter 10 and verse 17, Jesus describes the battle and begins to talk about the battle. And you wonder, when, when Satan was fighting the war, I wonder why he still fights. Because he was fighting the war that he thought he could win. And you can imagine, if you will, in, in this, this humorous account that, and I call it humorous, I mean, I know it's sad and it, it's wicked and evil, I get that, but I, mean, I want you to think about it for a moment. He thinks he's winning, and he's like, oh yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to be victorious. And then Jesus says, just to remind the church in Luke chapter 10, in verse 17, Jesus says, and the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. In your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. That tells me you never had a chance. 
If God just says, okay, that's enough, boom, and he's gone. Satan and his angels. And Satan still has the audacity to try to fight God thinking that he can win. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, please. But see, unless we believe that, and unless we surrender to God, here's the sad part. In a way, Satan's kind of right. Because Satan's figured something out. Not all humans are going to love God. Not all the members of the church are going to love God. But Satan's plan, it, it fails for those who love God. And, and in 1 Corinthians 2, beginning at verse 6, yet we do not, we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in the mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages of glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age had understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eyes has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not been entered to the heart of man. All that God has prepared for those who love him. If they had known, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus, if Satan had known, he would have made sure that Jesus didn't die on the cross. See, but he didn't know, right? See, he fails every single time. Can you imagine maybe the party in hell, in, in hell you know, if there could be one. You know, Jesus Christ is dead. We killed the Messiah. We finally beat God. We won. And then three days later, he gets up. <laughs> right? I mean, they're like, uh-oh, <laughs> we've blown it again every time. Satan loses every single time. Church, do you believe that? Revelation, please, chapter 12. You see, when the church is being persecuted, when you are going through struggles in your life, when life happens to us, don't step back and say, where are you, God? Know that God is there. Know that whatever is going on in my life, God is there. Satan cannot, will not ever win. Ever. But do you believe that? That's the question. See, he wrote a whole book, the book of Revelation, to the suffering saints, saying, do you believe that? Jesus said, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Do you believe that? Verse 10, those who believed that, the Bible says, Revelation 12, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even to death. For they realize something, brother. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. They realize that to die is gain. They realize that, that the whole idea of death is to go home. <laughs> to be with God. And I can imagine that some of those Christians were saying, wait, 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 wait. 
wait, now I was going to have to live here for another 12 years or 20 years and, and be persecuted, but you're going to send me home today? God is good, <laughs> right? I can just imagine. I know that because Polycarp said, light the fire. <laughs> God is good. Look, we win, not because of our perfection, not because of how good we are, but because of the great and precious blood of Jesus Christ and because of our repentive hearts. In Colossians 1 and verse 13, the Bible says, For he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You know, Satan couldn't stop that. If Satan had known, turn to Ephesians, please, uh, chapter uh, chapter 1. If Satan had known that the blood of Jesus spilled, that blood that was shed, that blood that was given for us on our behalf, if he had known that one drop would save humanity, he would have done everything to make sure that drop never happened. But he didn't know. Instead, he hated so much. His hatred was so terrible that his mind was blinded by God couldn't even see it. Ephesians 1, beginning at verse 7. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intentions, which He purposed in Him, with a view to administration of suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things upon the earth in Him. So you can continue reading. It's a, it's beautiful. So here's what happened. Revelation chapter 12. Satan realizes that the, the, the Messiah had come, the Redeemer had come, and so his time, his time is almost over. Brother, you do realize it's almost finished, right? I mean, it's almost over. See, God's plan, you go back and you look at Genesis and you and you look deep into the plan of God from the very beginning of time all the way till today, you realize something. It's almost over. Are you ready? Satan knows it. Verse 12 says, For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he only has a short time. And you know what he still believes? Turn back to Job for just a moment. Chapter chapter 1. Job chapter 1. He still believes something. Satan's time is short. And so he persecutes the church. And for some reason or another, Satan still believes that if you persecute God's people, or you don't give them a whole lot of happiness in this life, or you you bring struggle into their lives, into them. If 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 you if they don't, they have to be different, set apart. If if they have to be uh, the light in the midst of darkness, Satan believes that, well, uh, that we that we won't serve God. And he he's wait a minute. Wait a minute. He's on to something, isn't he? See, what Satan knows is that our minds become confused sometimes. And and we get things backwards. See, we want heaven on earth. 
But that's never going to happen. You see? And Satan knows that that is the desire of humanity. To have heaven on earth. But Job, see, Job feared God. And, and Satan asked a question in Job chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Has thou not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. And I want you to read through verse 11. Listen. But put forth thy hand now and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to your face. Well, for those of us who haven't figured it out yet, yeah, that's exactly what happens. We hear it all the time. I mean, people can have riches and still curse God to his face. Still use God's name in vain. Satan is on to something, brethren. Jesus already told us. John chapter 15. Jesus has already told us. He's already explained to us the inner workings of Satan. He wants us to understand that we are going to be persecuted in this life. It's not because we are great, but it's because of the greatness of God and the great hatred of Satan. In Job 15 and verse 20, the Bible says, Remember the word that I said to you, A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they've kept my word, they will keep yours also. Persecution is going to come. You know, it's funny. It's, it's a pretty amazing. Even, turn to Matthew, please, chapter 10. Even when you do good, persecution is going to come. You know, you know, we, I mean, you know in high school we learn that. In, in, our, in elementary school we learn that. We learn that doing good. People don't like others who do goody-two-shoe. You hear, th- right, we made words that we attack people who are doing good things. Jesus Christ lived perfectly and yet he was persecuted. This world is not heaven. Jesus has tried to tell us that. And to the suffering saints, he told them in Matthew 10 and verse 28. He says to them, he makes it clear, do not fear those who can kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather, fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Don't worry about your body. (laughs) Because it's not going to heaven anyway. But your soul. Our souls are. Either heaven or hell. Don't let Satan confuse this in our hearts and in our minds. Okay, we're going to begin to wrap up shortly here. Revelation chapter, chapter 12 again, please. Verses, uh, verses 13 and verse 14. So, Satan realized now the problem is he couldn't defeat the saints, right? He couldn't defeat the early church. He was doing everything he could to win. Verse 13, when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. And two wings, the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman in order that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time's time and a half time from the presence of the serpent. In other words, God gave her the victory. <laughs> Can you imagine? You're, you're, you're running from, from Satan. Exodus, please, chapter 19. 
and you're fleeing for, for your life and, and God comes in and gives you eagle's wings and on those eagle's wings you fly away and you fly to safety. And that's what God is saying about this time, time and a half. He's going to protect the church in all of her devastation, in all of her situations. He's going to protect the church and it will stand. Who's able to stand? The church. And God gave her what she needed to hold fast. What do we say? God will never allow us or put more on us or allow more to happen to us than we can bear. He gave her just what she needed to be able to stand. Satan loses again. Exodus chapter 19, verses 4 and following. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. And how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandments, or covenant rather, excuse me, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples. All the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom, a priest, and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. I'll bear you up on eagle's wings. You're going to be all right. He repeated that. Isaiah chapter 40. He repeated that to his people, saying to them, stay faithful, stay true to God. God will bring you through every situation or circumstance that you are in. Today, you may be going through some things. All of us are, right, through with COVID. But we may be going through some things and feel like I can't go on. You hold on to God and allow God to give you those wings. To make it through victoriously. Satan cannot win. Verse 28 of Isaiah chapter 40. The Bible says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Church, do you believe that? Am I trying to convince you of this? Or do you believe it? Back to Revelation chapter 12. So then that's not good enough. So Satan comes and says, okay, I can't catch her. I can't catch her on foot. I couldn't get to the baby. I couldn't destroy the early church. So, so now I gotta figure out something. I, I'm gonna, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna send water. I'm gonna send a river of water down and let the water catch her. Oh, listen to what it says. Verse 15. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river, which the dragon poured out of his mouth. Man, he lost again. He, do, do you get the message? Right? I mean, now, now remember now, Rome, the Romans may be knocking on your door tomorrow. And they may come and want to destroy your life and, and kill you. But, but you win. Even if you're, if you're alive, you win in Christ. If you're dead, you, you win in Christ. For to die is gain. For to die is Christ. Right? But, but do you believe that? 
verse 17. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. And he went off to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Church, that's us. That's us. You see? And we're going to close in 1 Peter chapter 5. See, he never gives up. He has never given up. And when he couldn't, he couldn't beat Jesus. He couldn't beat Israel. He couldn't beat Judah. He, he couldn't beat God's people. He couldn't beat the early church. He used everything. He used death. He used bloodshed. He used murderous events. He used, he used the government. He used everything. And he's lost every single time for those who love the Lord. And he loses today. He lost yesterday. Jaden was baptized into Christ. He lost again. <laughs> he cannot win. He cannot win. Verse 8 of 1 Peter chapter 5, and we'll close. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of sufferings are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Church. Amen. We win. We have already won. And that's the message of Revelation chapter 12. So I close with this question. Are we going to continue to live our lives as if all that matters is that we have heaven on earth? Something that will never ever happen or are we going to surrender our lives to God and receive heaven in all of its glory where God has planned for it to be that we might serve him in the greatness of salvation because of and by and through the blood of Jesus Christ that choice is yours if you have a need you can make that known to us you can contact us if there's, if there's an interest, a desire to have a Bible study, if you have a desire to learn about God, to surrender to God in the waters of baptism, whatever your need might be, contact us. To God be the glory, all the praise, and the honor. God bless you.